You are now listening to The Open Canvas. It's a beautiful day in Brooklyn. I'm Taj Alexander. I'm here with a very special guest. Um, I think we connected through my friend Nate. Um, you guys mm-hmm. were doing an open mic event at Kimfolk 90. It may have even been like a year or so ago. At um, least. Yeah, so I, I saw you guys perform individually. And um, then we all went back to Nate's crib to like chill, smoke, and you know, mm-hmm. just hang a little bit. And you know, it was just a, it was a great moment. And I don't even think we had a real like conversation, conversation, but we were just vibing the music for like a few hours, yeah. you know. And it was just like a good moment. And you know, when you exchange energy with someone and you feel like you'll see them again in life, you, yeah. you're not even pressed to get their number. Or exactly, be like, <laughs> you're not even worried about it. Yeah, you're just like eventually this yeah. person will come back into we'll, we'll come back into each other's space. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that happened again uh, more recently. At another event, my, my friend um, Eli Fola was a part of that event as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was mm-hmm. uh, off Atlantic Avenue um, yes. in Brooklyn. Yes. And yeah, it was just like a great experience. And I was like, yeah, just confirming me. I was like, she's, she's here again. Yeah. Yes, we're in, we're in each other's presence again. Yeah. Um, and then we just followed up from there. And uh, more mm-hmm. recently, we saw that John Coltrane documentary together and just mm-hmm. like connected on that. Mm-hmm. Um, all that to say, she's an amazing musician, a true student of music and a student of life. Um, So without any further ado, please introduce yourself. Wow. Um, (laughs) First of all, thank you. Like, I don't even know how to follow up. (laughs) That was a crazy intro. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm super honored to be here. Um, I appreciate you for reaching out and asking me to be on this amazing production. Mm. I think it's great. Um, I'm always a champion for like independent black creative people and thinking thinkers rather um Mm. especially podcasts i think they're such an interesting format i know i'm supposed to be introducing myself i'm gonna get to it this is a flow (laughs) um i think podcast is such a great a great format that black people are throwing themselves into because i always think it's important to archive and to preserve narratives and to preserve our history Mm. and do so orally like in the tradition of like our ancestors but then also like we live in this crazy world with like AI and developers and not a lot of the people building these apps are black. Um, mm. So we have to make sure that we can control our narrative mm. and make sure that our children understand that we were doing this in the way that we say we were doing it. So, wow. um, yeah, I think it's great that you're doing a podcast because I thank think you. that's one of the millions of ways to, to preserve that. So I thank wow. you for doing this for our, our kids oh. to remember what thank we were you. doing. Thank yeah. you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's that's so well put. So well said. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Um, uh, who am I? My name is Kia. Um, uh, you can call me Shakia or Kia, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm a. On the surface, I guess you could say I'm a musician, singer, songwriter, student of music, um, a poet, performance artist, trying to inter- interconnect mm. all of those things. Mm. I know we're gonna dive deep into interconnectivity sure. soon, but that's me on the surface. Um, I live out in Brooklyn, in Brownsville. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, spent most of my life there, mm. um, studying music growing up from a very young age, singing in choirs, um, and I eventually found myself on like a jazz sort of track mm. um, in middle school. Nice, nice. And then, yeah, went to college in Chicago, came here 
found myself around um i met nate on the internet yeah shout out to nate bahar by the way yeah um if you listen to the podcast you can find this episode on as well just scroll down you'll find nate bahar's name and just check it out but yeah yeah, continue you yeah and and nate bahar um literally (laughs) that's a name that you won't necessarily have to uh, search Mm -hmm. to search hard to find more info about soon um he's a brilliant photographer brilliant musician um brilliant human <laughs> yes a brilliant person yes per person yeah. thank you thank you for saying that because mm-hmm. like especially in in the west and in new york we get so caught up in like what we do what do you do what do you do who are you what do you do mm-hmm. and who we are is not what we do what we do is an extension of mm-hmm. who we are so like yes he's a great human first mm-hmm. and foremost mm-hmm. um thank you for for bringing me back there. <laughs> no. <laughs> no that's that's great um yeah so yeah i met nate he was like, yo, I'm doing this show. You want to do this show? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do the show. And it was at Kinfolk. And it was the first time I'd ever been to Kinfolk. Yeah. Um, well, that was your first time. That was my first time. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, Yeah, that was such a, a fun, random, and great night. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I could, I could totally say the same. It was great meeting you that time. It totally felt the same. Like, you know, you're like smoking and everyone's high and everyone's like talking, but they're not talking. You're like communicating. It's it's, it's like more of like a mental communication. Exactly. You're all just like hearing beats and just like, (laughs) you know, in your head size nine, you're just like, yeah, 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 I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're like shooting vibes Mm -hmm. through your mind Mm. to people. Um, Yeah. And ever since then, I've just been like, you know trying to poke my head around trying to build with artists um that are like-minded that are invested in sort of preserving blackness um and every sense of the word and it was through that sort of mystical journey that i met uh, the rose gold collective Mm. um which is this amazingly brilliant uh group of uh queer folks queer black folks um, they do a lot of stuff, um, community-oriented, nightlife-based stuff. They throw a lot of parties. They do a lot of little—not uh, little—a lot of really important things for the community here. Um, yeah. And one of the members of Rose Gold, Imani, um, who has this uh, pretty cool and forward collective um, that's that's like really centered around like experimentalism mm-hmm. from like an African lens. Mm-hmm. Um, she works very closely with Eli Fuller. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she reached out to me and asked me to do the show she was having um, at this lounge, Atlantic Garden Lounge right. um, on Atlantic Ave, mm-hmm. which is actually black owned and operated. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was there that I met Eli Fola, who's brilliant as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It was there that I saw you again. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, um, a lot of very interesting, amazing energy happening in that space. Um, and it was pretty cool. It was pretty like, I don't know, fortuitous, if you will, to, mm. to run into you again there. Mm. It was, it was mm. like so many people I had ran into yeah. that I hadn't seen for a while. Right, and it was right, it right. was like seeing you, it was like we hadn't seen each other in maybe a year, maybe longer than that. Right. But it felt like I had just seen you yesterday. Yeah. I like instantly recognized you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's up? Um, sorry, that was a long answer. No, that's that's real. And I, I <laughs> yeah. remember that, that moment. I feel like we have those moments where we run into people we haven't seen in a while mm. and mm. I feel like we both acknowledge we're like yeah like we have to connect again <laughs> you know that was a good feeling yeah. you know um, but yeah I mean you were saying you know growing up in Chicago mm-hmm. um, born and raised there you said yeah I'm born okay. and raised on the southeast side of Chicago um, in this neighborhood called Chatham for most of my life um, I lived around in a couple of neighborhoods mm-hmm. but most of them on the south side right, right. Yeah. and how was it like for you growing up there um, 
It was. Yeah, um, that's probably the best way to put that's, it. Yeah, that's it like was. the yeah. only way I can I can put it. Mm. Um, mm. Growing up in Chicago, specifically, Chicago is a chocolate city, just like all the other cities that Black folks migrated to, and mm-hmm. you know, um, after the war, um, like DC or like Baltimore or like Compton or like Philly or mm. like New York or. Um, like Miami, like any any city that's designated as a chocolate city, Chicago's very much that. Um, it's very segregated, extremely segregated in a way that's very surprising. Mm. Um, I guess not very surprising when you really think about the state of the things. But, yeah. um, so I grew up on the South Side, which was a black neighborhood, a legacy of like home ownership there. Um, but um, it's post Reagan, it's post crack, it's post heroin, it's mm. post crime bill mm. um, Chicago, which yeah. is a very, very specific Chicago, very specific Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, I was born in 92. So it was mm. like right, right before the crime right. bill. Yeah. So right then and there, um, my parents um, were both uh, teens when I was born. Um, they were both folks who had parents who were working class people um who got laid off by the time my parents were in their late teens Mm. um my parents were not stimulated by the school system at all Mm. um so they were kind of like out doing what they want to do you Mm. know hanging out in the streets hanging out outside getting more stimulation that they weren't getting in school Mm. and i was born as a result of that um growing up was was interesting i was i was generally a, a happy child i think um i wasn't aware of how poor i was i wasn't aware of the type of generational trauma and generational mm. pain that people particularly women i mean not particularly honestly both women and men in my family were carrying just mm. in different ways mm. um um it wasn't until i was like maybe in early elementary school that i started feeling this like pain that i couldn't understand Wow. It's just like this pain in yeah. my, my chest that would like flurry up and I would carry. Um, mm. But that at the same time, I was like, you know, being a black girl in school, I, grew, I went to CPS school, Chicago public school system. Um, being socialized as a black girl um, mm. in public schools is very different than being socialized as like a black boy. Mm. I think a lot of black boys um, were socialized to be aggressive and angry and were held back and put into like remedial classes and i was somebody that excelled in school um so i was kind of socialized differently Mm. i was socialized to to be projected on to be this well-behaved sort of image ideal image of like what a black child should be right right um but at the same time like all my friends were the kids that were getting held back or getting suspended for um fighting in class or getting Mm. suspended for not going to class how you suspend somebody for not going to class how you suspend someone less school anyway Mm. um we all live together we Mm. all grew up in the same neighborhood so school kind of like forced this separation this hierarchy this class distinction between me and people where when we left that system we're not separate right at all um yeah so um I would do stuff like do my friends homework for them um let them copy off me for my test because mm-hmm. i was like there's no reason why you all can't be smart you all there's no reason why you all uh can't get good grades you know mm-hmm. you just are sad today or you're just this or that like i remember always wanting to like help mm-hmm. my friends and it wasn't until i got a d or got an f a d or an f or something in math in sixth grade where i was like oh shit <laughs> like they don't want me to help my people because mm. now i'm being punished too mm. and if i get punished then that may 
harm my future so um yeah that was kind of like what my experience was like at the same time i was i was very curious about art and music and and very much wanted to stimulate myself through that um and i was grateful to have grandparents that were able to watch me while my mom was still in school Mm -hmm. Um, both my parents like i said were teens when they had me um they were both 17 17 and 19 rather um so my grandparents took care of my me and my my younger half brother Mm -hmm. um and that allowed my mother to go to nursing school and get her degree that allowed my father to go to school um and work and sort of get themselves together Mm. and my grandparents would kind of help take care of me and my Mm. brother and i was like hey i want to do music stuff you know um I always hear stories about me like hearing commercials and then getting a keyboard and trying to teach myself. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember any of those commercials? I don't remember any of those commercials, man. I don't. I really don't. (laughs) None of the jingles at all. I honestly don't even remember teaching myself jingles. Mm. I think they kind of. I feel like they made it up just because. It adds to the legend, you know. (laughs) Adds to the legacy. You know, when I when I see the Netflix special, I want to see that. You know, that's that's a part of the story. Yeah, you gotta add that in there. We gotta make sure to tell the producer (laughs) to add that to add that. And you know, this is a side conversation, but myth and, and oral history is a part of African tradition, so I'm not mad. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So where was I? Yes, um, there were Chicago um, at the time, similarly to New York, um, because it's a major city, had some uh, um, city government money that went toward arts enrichment right for public schools yeah um so basically what that translated to was like um there being things called um this program called all city all city which was like specifically for chicago public school students they had like an all city dance an all city choir classical concert band all city orchestra all Mm. city big band um and it was that and the Chicago Children's Choir that mm-hmm. kind of sucked me up when I was very mm-hmm, young, mm-hmm. Um, and I was spending all my time after school doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, at first, I was doing Chicago Children's Choir, and then um, Chicago had this magnet magnet school sort of thing where like there were a couple of high schools in the city that had a seventh and eighth grade program. Mm-hmm. So instead of going to like a city middle school, yeah, if you tested high enough, you could go to the magnet program at the high school. Mm-hmm. And in seventh grade, you could start taking freshman classes. So the idea was to like get you to, it was either to get you to take more AP classes so that uh, you could spend less time in college. Yeah. Um, because you could get some AP credits or get you to college sooner. Right, right. Um, that's what they say, at least. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was around like fifth or sixth grade that I got this envelope on my desk in school and they were like, we want you to go to this magnet program. Mm. It was through the magnet program that I really got fast tracked on music because yeah. I was a part of that was like they allowed you to take high school electives mm. starting in seventh grade. Mm. So in seventh grade, I was able to be a part of like the high school jazz band mm. when I was twelve. Okay, which was really cool. Yeah. So jazz was the the was it gospel into jazz that sort of like led you there? Or what, what was like the the genre of music that sort of grabbed you? First? Hmm. That's a good question. Um. I guess you could say kind of all the black American genres yeah. happening at the same yeah. time. Like, yeah. I definitely am no stranger to church, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not going to say that I like was raised in the gospel church musician tradition, tradition yeah. necessarily. Right. Like church was very touch and go right. for people. There were some 
like I had one grandma that was very devoted to church. I had another one that was touch and go. Uh, my mom herself, she had a Bible and would talk about scripture, but didn't really care about going to church. So like it was, it was on and off for me. Right. Um, definitely familiar and influenced by that music. The music. Um, yeah. and played church keys for a little bit. Um, by the time I got to seventh grade, yeah, at the, at the high school, at that point I had just had basically my favorite singer was like Aaliyah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was also really into like Cocktail Twins and like mm-hmm. Nirvana My, I was familiar with jazz because my grandfather I was familiar with Neo Soul because my mother yeah. um, gospel because my grandparents so all of that was kind of in me and then mm. I was doing like Chicago Children's Choir stuff which was kind of mostly like choral yeah. show tunes type stuff yeah um and because of that i wanted to join the concert choir which was like new gospel they yeah. would sing a lot of gospel arrangements a lot of like kirk franklin style stuff mm-hmm. um but it was full yeah and there were like concert bands open and i was like fine <laughs> um i play a little key so i can do concert band yeah um i wanted to do clarinet but clarinet it was full whatever that means yeah at the time that means, yeah. so they, they can yeah, yeah it's like they could just you know have an extra instrument but it's like not nah, full. you can't get it. yeah, yeah it's like what <laughs> yeah they only had like four clarinets yeah, um, yeah i mean it just sounds like from all of these different like just what we were talking about earlier in terms of like the dynamic mind of uh, you know mm-hmm. creatives and i feel like mm-hmm. specifically with like you know us you know growing up in the specific era that we did yeah like we were exposed to so many different eras of music mm. and whether that's you know soul funk gospel you know early rock you know all these things we were exposed totally. to through different people parents cousins mm-hmm. relatives church what have you so it's like growing up we sort of have the luxury of being able to like look at such like a, a large span of time of music and specifically black music that you know yeah so it's, it's just dope i'm just noticing that just hearing you say all of these different you know influences because it's like i can see it now clearly in, in, in your music now even just little hints and pieces of those different wow different uh flavors so yeah yeah, continue continue. no that's (laughs) that's so that's so poignant and so true Mm -hmm. like it's all a descendant of like what you'd call music which was basically like enslaved africans trying to communicate to Mm -hmm. each other that call and response is literally a call Mm -hmm. you know across the field or Mm -hmm. a call to another plantation and the response exactly right and and all of that born birthed that's the word birth all of that birth um everything you just laid out Mm -hmm. and then yeah it's it's i love that you described it as a luxury to be born at a time where we were kind of born right when all of that stuff had already dignified itself Mm. hip-hop had had been around for 15 years or Mm so it's a teenager Um, now yeah at that time hip-hop was a teen by the time we were born Mm -hmm. and then we had this right before the new millennium it was such a great time to be inspired by so much shit like so much yeah. innovation that black people had done um very yeah. recently <laughs> truly a gift yeah, yeah truly a gift mm. um and yeah all of that went into my paradigm but i still wasn't like a solo artist mm-hmm. at that time mm-hmm. i was just like a kid that was like i like singing yeah i like i can teach myself how to play keys i like doing this stuff and my family was like you should get into music mm at the time i thought that they were just nurturing me to do right <laughs> uh, what i was passionate about um but i learned later that they were encouraging me to do it because they thought that music was a great way to get a scholarship to go to college right uh to get a job doing it something that could guarantee you money <laughs> so uh 
yeah I, they handed me a saxophone because that was the next best thing to clarinet mm. and the way concert band worked at my high school was that you did beginning band there mm-hmm. was a beginning intermediate and advanced yeah um so i started in beginning band um and right as i started we had gotten a new band director and mm-hmm. a new chair of music that had just started his name is gerald powell gerald, um, powell gerald powell is an amazing educator arts educator in chicago he's taken the music department at my high school kenwood and like reflourished it re-nourished it even mm. even even kids that go through the program that aren't necessarily interested in music still um have learned so much and have, have felt have, it's really nourished encouraged nurtured their talent yeah. and, and encouraged the expansiveness of their consciousness through wow. through getting pulled into this band program he was somebody that would aggressively pull people in yeah. knowing damn well they're not pro- probably not going to have a career being a trombone player mm. but that can make a difference between somebody having a place to be mm. um and having somebody to care for them after school right. versus not right um he was somebody that understood yeah. that even just exposing someone to mm-hmm. that knowledge you know even mm-hmm. if you're, you're not going to even have a career in music being exposed to the knowledge of what your people have created mm. is like so valuable mm-hmm. you know but but yes that's, that's mm. just, you can continue no <laughs> please stop me um when you're tired of hearing my no, story. no 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 i'm loving it this is like so so like valuable and it's very it's very um there's a lot i'm just listening just as a listener i'm going to tell you like yeah you know i enjoy this because i feel like you know especially you know someone like yourself who mm-hmm. is at a certain place in their life and their, their musical journey it's like it's very rare that we even get a chance to even reminisce about those years and and like we almost yeah you know it's like we almost have to wait like you said like uh, like we were talking about like we, we have to wait for these netflix specials mm-hmm. and docuseries mm-hmm. about our, our our you know favorite you know artists life and career yeah. and moments but like you know it's like we should you know basically document those moments ourselves and, and be able to you know acknowledge and appreciate those moments you know so so i'm even like i feel honored to even hear these things because it's like you know this is this is your life you know so i feel like it's it's, it's definitely special to hear these moments for sure mm. yeah wow i i appreciate that mm. um and i also think that's again so profound um the idea of like archiving was something that was totally foreign to me never really heard of it used in this specific context until moving to new york and yeah discovering that there's podcasters that there are artists that are literally devoted to like collecting and preserving pictures of, of black people like yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if they simply, don't know them just simply, simply that yeah, right imagery <laughs> um and we do it we do it all the time whether we know it or not these these highlights we create on instagram these mm. collections of photos mm. these selfies that we take these pictures that we take and keep in our phones these photo books that we're used to to seeing in the 90s uh with polaroids of right, our family all these right. scrapbooks all of that is us archiving our stuff so mm. Um, yeah, I'm honored to be here to be able to definitely talk about definitely allow me. Um, <laughs> so the saxophone, yeah. you you were picking up the saxophone at the time? Yeah, so I was I was picking up saxophone. I was in beginning band. I was in seventh grade. I was low key tight because I wanted to be in the concert choir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were an award winning choir, and I was like, I want to be up there, but fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll play saxophone. It'll be whatever. Mm. What was that experience like? Um. At first it was hard mm-hmm. because the only instruments I really had played before that was like keyboard, like mm-hmm. piano. Mm-hmm. I had taken piano lessons for a little bit by this guy who was like a fake Paul McCartney. So I was totally <laughs> understimulated. I wasn't into it. I quit after like my first recital. Um, so it was mainly, I was mainly, <laughs> I was mainly self-taught by like 
mm. by like stuff. So, mm. um, and I wasn't used to a woodwind. Right. A right, woodwind right. using your mouth and having to breathe air into an instrument. It's a different type of skill. It's a different <laughs> skill. It also this is something that Kamazi Washington recently said in that John Coltrane documentary. Right. Is that it becomes an an extension of you, mm. um, by you you breathe life into this instrument. It, you literally your breath you're sending energy vibrations through the thing you're talking through the thing so me like 12 year old me getting this <laughs> monster vessel right. in my lap was like right it was a big deal mm. um that's the spiritual aspect the physical aspect it was just hard like getting yeah. calluses on your thumbs because yeah. you're not used to carrying it getting used to like the the posture that you have to sit in when you're playing an instrument um in a concert setting you have to like really sit with your back straight um and my school you know it was a public school in the south side so they weren't giving you the best of the equipment so Mm. we didn't have a lot of those they actually have make chairs (laughs) for bands and orchestras where it forces you to sit up straight we didn't have those chairs right we had regular like office chairs (laughs) um so that was difficult Mm. um which is like basically the style of which you're moving your mouth to play instruments that was hard because you basically are biting your bottom lip when you're playing the saxophone Mm. and there's this piece of wood vibrating against your lip so Mm. like um strengthening my jaw muscles was like a thing it was like physically taking a toll yeah as a a listener as like you know someone who's listening to a a saxophone you Mm -hmm. know play like we don't realize that we don't get that we just oh they're just grooving up there like it look great but it's like it takes a lot to do that and you're just explaining that so it's with even a lot of different types of uh instruments i feel like you know this yeah i used to play the stand-up string bass so it's like wow you know i I played that in like you know middle school elementary school even and well yeah elementary school yeah and you know that's like a bomb you just dropped right like (laughs) stand-up bass is not just like a Philly instrument yeah 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 so so i I relate to even like carrying that around and bringing that on a yellow school bus and like having to walk in the middle of the aisle with this huge like this this instrument that's bigger than me at the time you know and it's like i'm bringing it through and like my friends are like you know looking at me all crazy and it's just like there's a lot so yeah i fully understand what you're saying it's like a a lot of things that people don't see that you have to really love the instrument you're you're playing in order to to build that relationship yeah you know exactly yeah it definitely becomes a whole new relationship Mm. like it you just made me think about all this all this attention i started getting Mm. um that i I didn't expect Mm. like taking the bus bus driver like oh what's that is that a trumpet or a violin right you know right, getting right. used to having to explain that it's a it's an alto sax and then the next question comes right, you know because right. it's it's elder black people so they're like oh you any good <laughs> oh uh play you play good. like this right <laughs> um you play like this what's your favorite record and yeah. me i'm not i'm like i, I don't know i just picked this up uh, for class you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. um all of that was was so new but uh, there was something in me that was motivated to to get good at it yeah there was something in me that was like i like this thing this is cool it resonates with me it resonates with me mm. at the time i don't know it could have been because i just wanted to get an a in the class <laughs> um i don't know it was mm. just something in me that was like i like this thing and mm. i think my 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 band director uh mr powell he he just noticed sort of how fast i was picking up the horn right and he also was new mm. to the school so in his mind he was like okay i'm trying to build a jazz program i'm trying to build a classical program let me identify who are prominent players so i can develop them and then mm. he was trying to figure out what he had do an piece appraisal if you will so yeah. he can piece it together and he was somebody that was like 
you sound good on that horn xyz there was this girl who was two years older than me who was also in my class named capria um he kind of modeled us after each other she mm-hmm. she was someone that had, was already kind of active in some of the more city jazz programs like the jazz institute where they would have jam sessions every week mm. for cps kids to, mm. just to come and jam um she was already kind of involved with some of that stuff um so she had already had a bass jazz knowledge and saxophone knowledge under her fingers yeah um and he kind of was like this is capria like mm-hmm. get on like get close to her mm-hmm. um so she was principal and i was always second to mm-hmm. her she was principal i was second until she graduated um and yeah it was like that first semester um finished beginning band mm-hmm. he was like we can move you to um advanced band hmm. your second semester i was like i don't know if i'm ready for all that he all was right. like i don't care we're gonna move you there yeah. so suddenly i'm in seventh grade in advanced band with all these <laughs> sophomores juniors and seniors right um <laughs> and it kind of went from there Mm. it was like second semester the way the school worked is that there's like there one thing that's really interesting about chicago public schools um and like the city and then the state is that they have these competitions which i'm sure you're familiar with like from from like sports they have all these like um uh sports divisions regional and, and regional stuff and yeah. they have the same thing for music they mm-hmm. have a classical aspect and a, a jazz aspect right. so like the city the cps they have a, a competition and then they have a statewide one and then there's another statewide one right. um so like the first semester is always you prep for homecoming we mm-hmm. we kind of do like our marching band thing yeah. we get our choreography on and like play michael jackson and shit like that and then the second semester is devoted to like competition season yeah like, can you talk about that a little bit i can i can talk about it very briefly okay um because full disclosure i never actually did the college marching band right, experience right, right, right. um i was fortunate enough to have a band director who went to an hbcu so he just tried to, to model that with us yeah just for the sake of homecoming and then we were done um yeah. but what was it like it was it was fun mm. <laughs> it was fun as yeah. hell like, even like just the response from the energy from the people yeah, is like it's you different get, you get response from the energy you get response from mainly parents and shit <laughs> like that which is honestly really cool mm. it's like at the time it felt good and i didn't know why and looking back it's like it feels good to be validated by mm. people that look like you yeah like black parents cheering us on right because like the, the way homecoming would work is that we we they we they would have uh, two rival high schools or whatever play at a field in the middle of the south side of Chicago. So it wasn't like at either of their schools. Yeah. And we would walk, we would march the neighborhood into the field. Wow. So like people in their homes would sit out in the lawn and like watch us march wow. into the field. And That's that beautiful. Was, yeah. It was so beautiful. It yeah. was such a vindicating experience wow. for me. It was so fun. Mm. Like getting dressed up in those stinky polyester like mm-hmm. suits, mm-hmm. Uh, those three part suits. <laughs> what color were they? With the hat. They were maroon. Maroon. Okay. We, we were That's the important. Broncos. That's important. Yeah. You got to paint the picture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're right. You're right <laughs> they were maroon we had these maroon overalls we had the hats with the tassels yeah, and yeah. everything we were the kenwood broncos. kenwood broncos we stole the denver broncos <laughs> literally right just changed the colors on it changed the colors on quick it quick photoshop we yeah could. exactly <laughs> literally um um at the time every year we wore these t-shirts it was like your your school t-shirt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the at the time it was fresh as i'm is was out oh wow so on the yeah, back yeah, of the yeah, shirts yeah. it was like are you fresh as i'm is wow so we had wow. that one underneath the band <laughs> thing so we all felt hot because yeah. we was wearing our freshest on is tea. right right um 
yeah these horrible like plat like rubber marching shoes yeah um and yeah we get into these positions um we had a drum major which usually was somebody that played flute or something mm-hmm. like that that was like a big personality and it was like pretty traditional in the black american context otherwise like um my band director was really passionate about making his own arrangements mm-hmm. so he'd have us do there were there were like legit michael jackson songs that i learned through playing them yeah yeah like working day and night was like a michael jackson song that i didn't know about it's kind of more like an album cut yeah that was his favorite arrangement to do we do (laughs) we do shit like that um play whatever was on the radio at the same time right and it was fun yeah it was so fun the the cheerleading team would turn into the dance team specifically for homecoming too we got to rehearse with them on the field the choreography was very basic though Mm -hmm. it wasn't super advanced because we didn't have that much time so we do shit like form a k and a for kenwood academy <laughs> little shit like that right, right, do the right. year at the time yeah. um on the field and that was about it we mostly played in this dance right right stuff. yeah but but yeah i think like even even those time periods it's like yeah just having fun with it you mm-hmm. know because i think you know mm-hmm. for me even remembering like i when i was playing stand-up bass doing those like regional conferences like or it wasn't like it was more like a like everyone would play and then they would choose the best school like and give them an award and I just remember just sort of being in those spaces and almost feeling like, you know, there was a, a room full of people in the audience in the auditorium. But when you're playing, you don't even feel any energy from people. You have to wait until after before you even mm-hmm. rec- like you hear people clap. And it's like, you know, you sort of like, wait, did, did they even enjoy it? Or did like, right. You know, it's like, but I think those <laughs> moments and even now, like yeah. the music, I feel like even at the event where I first met you, I feel like. Mm-hmm you know sort of having those spaces where like you can perform and like you're enjoying the act of performing but then we can also affirm you know your existence and like sort of like yeah. engage with you as you're performing and mm. like sort of you know whether that's vocally or through dancing yeah just sort of giving that energy back you yeah. know i think that's that's really important you I, know? I totally agree yeah i think it's really important i think it's 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 also very indigenous and very African in nature. Yeah. Um, and I think being in the West, we've adopted some very weird Western values <laughs> and they formulated even in even in our communities. Mm. It's interesting how we perform indigenous stuff and we don't realize it and how we perform Western stuff. Mm. And we don't realize it. Mm. Um, I just had this thought about sort of like the concerts we'd have at my school. We'd have like a winter concert and a spring concert. And yeah. um, it was a it was a it was a collaboration between the choral mm-hmm. band director and the music so it was, a, it was a big deal wow like he would do stuff like have two drummers on stage with the choir and it was a big it was it was a big thing and one of the things that made it i think so special for all of us uh in in the bands and in the choirs was that our family was there mm. and they would fill out that auditorium and they would be there affirming us. They rocking. would be sh- rocking, rocking, literally <laughs> shouting during the, the songs. In the bleachers, just like, yes. yeah, going Throwing off. Throwing stuff on stage, <laughs> all types of fun shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't the old clap afterwards, say yeah, sit down, afterwards. stand up, clap, sit back down. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> but the competitions, even though we would actually host some competitions at mm. our school too, competitions were totally opposite. Right. Because it right. wasn't, it would, it, it would be a hit or miss whether like your people would be there right like we definitely had a dedicated community of like volunteer parents yeah. uh, band volunteer parents that would come out and like if we had competitions mm. they would help get us all dressed and make sure we're ushered and in the place we want to go and mm. get the food and all that stuff um but it was definitely a different experience yeah like playing in those competitions and understanding that there's like there's a home 
show and then there's a when you're out right money <laughs> that was like the first time being yeah. trained on like the difference between that when yeah. you're out getting money you have to be prim and proper and you mm. have to be silent and you have to behave yourself mm. and you just have to play you have to save it all for the stage mm. and then but when you're at home playing at school when your parents are there that's when you can turn up mm. and it doesn't matter if you play it perfectly it just matters about how you feel, you feel. And, and what you're admitting and stuff yeah so the transitioning even to college and even mm-hmm. after school like I just want to even hear more about your process in terms of like going from the, the, the education system and sort of like learning music through those programs to then finding your own sort of musical voice, mm. um, you know, and sort of transitioning to that. So how, how is that for you sort of finding finding your voice in that? Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that shit was hard, man. Yeah. It was it was very painful. It was also very gratifying hmm. and, and very confusing and. It involved me taking a lot of risks when I didn't know I was taking risks yeah, and, and yeah. a lot because um, I was also dealing with a lot at that time. Hmm. Um, I went to I went to Columbia College in Chicago for most of my college career, but I did do one year at UIC. UIC. Okay. Yeah. At the time, the jazz program was ran by Nicole Mitchell, hmm. who is uh, an amazing like free jazz flautist and composer. Hmm. Um, she was a part of the AACM, which AACM. is like the uh, uh, like African American Creative Musicians Collective It's like mm. a free jazz collective mm-hmm. In Chicago And It's so interesting Because At the time I didn't realize this <laughs> But my band director Growing up Played tuba With the AACM Wow, wow. Um, Nicole Mitchell would, would do guest residencies At my school and stuff And then it was like now i'm so invested in free jazz and stuff and mm. looking back like he dropped those seeds right to me when i was a kid right right right. but that that's a side topic anyway that's real though <laughs> um ha- yeah it was it something started to feel weird when mm. i was in school so like through that i kept getting pushed and pushed by my band director through high school he was like you can really do this you don't have to go to school and study something else mm. you can make a career out of this mm. i was like okay let's do it I want to be a I don't know what I want to do but I play saxophone I play alto so I'm going to do a jazz studies program in school yeah um and I really didn't start thinking about being an artist I didn't even consider myself an artist until I was maybe 20 19 Mm. 20 years old what made you like think that um to be honest, I haven't even really started calling myself an artist until mm, now. But mm. what made me think that, oh, I could be a solo musician mm-hmm. <laughs> was, <laughs> was like, I don't know. It was meeting people when I was in school. Mm. Like when I was in UIC, um, studying studying jazz in college, is, it sucks, Yeah, to be honest. Um, it's, it's terrible, mm. um, mainly because you learn about your tradition through the gaze and the lens Mm. of foreigners of voyeurs of people who kind of co-opted it uh infiltrated it um took it over to the point where a lot of people in the community at a time didn't appreciate Mm. it even though i think that's also a myth and a narrative Mm. this myth that black people don't appreciate jazz and even that term jazz is not even our term so many layers to this (laughs) um but studying jazz in school, a lot of white men running the programs, a lot of white men teaching the classes. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a private instructor, Gerard Harris, who is a very active member of the jazz scene mm-hmm. in the city. So talking to him was like getting lessons from somebody who's a professional. Right. It's like the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, 
but at the time i was going through a lot i was struggling with depression and didn't know um just dealing with the pressures of like being out of high school um my grandfather had just passed away i was very sad and lost um and i also was not getting what i needed spiritually from school because there was a lot of white men in their gaze teaching me about improv teaching me about uh music and performance and teaching me this very specific what i think is a very western approach to being an artist which is like a series of repetitions and failures until you hit this magical master um Mm. sort of status Mm. um it's almost and i think a lot of people's experience is like it just sounds like it took the joy out of it it took the joy out of it for me yeah and we would hear about all these greats these these great 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 innovators who would spend hours shedding Mm. Uh, but you wouldn't necessarily learn more about like what they were thinking what they said they were thinking what they said they were feeling you just hear from the gaze of like yeah this miracle mystery man would shed 14 hours a day and then he came out one summer and was charlie parker Mm. that's not necessarily the whole the whole picture right you know um so i i just i I didn't i didn't feel stimulated Mm. i i was not motivated to practice because i was uh very sad yeah um and i didn't really see a space that nurtured being creative Mm. it just nurtured it really it really nurtured you into being a proficient um player like a great or a session musician Mm. and it didn't nurture creativity Mm. so i was lost um fortunately though i was very fortunate and grateful to have staff there that cared about me and um i was at a point where i was like i need to take a break from school yeah like i need to take like a gap year because i'm gonna flunk out if i don't Mm. and the chair at the time was like hey typically uh you have to stay through to keep your scholarship but i'm happy to have the conversation about reassessing your scholarship if you want to take a year off Mm. because i'd rather you do that than fail out Mm. so i took a year off i was working at a record store um i had just through class and through school had already been hanging out with musicians that were in bands Mm. that were out here being solo artists this was the first time i had started to see rappers and singers who were producing themselves in reason and in logic and recording themselves and putting songs on soundcloud yeah this was the first time i'd ever seen or heard of that (laughs) and i was like i could do that yeah i I know i could do that shit (laughs) um let me see so i downloaded a crack of reason five for windows (laughs) on my acer laptop um (laughs) yeah taking it it we're taking it there (laughs) um on my acer laptop and i got a crack of fl studio too and i was just fucking around Mm -hmm. and again i still wasn't like i'm gonna be a solo artist i'm an artist i wasn't thinking any of that i was just like this is cool this is fun this is a fun way to like get out some of the shit um that i don't feel like i'm getting Mm. um from being in the traditional sort of jazz rudimentary um structure yeah and I was still going to jam sessions. I was still doing what I thought I was supposed to do to be a good proficient saxophone player, going to jam sessions and embarrassing yourself, learning standards, Mm. um, practicing. I still uh, was trying to do that Mm -hmm. at the same time. And uh, basically, long story short, it was during that gap year when I was working and still, you know, sitting in on gigs, playing horn or going to my friend shows where I was like, I'm just going to try to write songs and see what happens. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine was using Logic, but I couldn't 
afford logic or find like a torrent of it yeah so i got audacity instead oh yeah 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 um and i found this beat from obliv on soundcloud (laughs) and i like uh ripped it and chopped it and just recorded myself i was like what if i improv on Mm. this but not my horn but with my voice because i had sang in choirs when i was a kid Mm. and shit um so maybe i'll try this um super insecure about my voice at the time too Mm -hmm. and it was just basically do that like making all this secret music that i realized hmm maybe this is it there's something here this is there's something here yeah it still took many many years before i was comfortable calling myself a solo artist it then took another year for me to release songs yeah let alone create a project and release mm. it or anything like that yeah. and then after that it took some time for me to reacclimate myself with like because also what i didn't say is there was a period of time immediately post school when i was making this music that i like associated jazz with my trauma mm. and i was like mm. you know i don't have to be a perfect player to be a good player mm. like some of these folks are telling me i can still write great songs and still be a great musician um i don't have to i don't have to play this way even though i would love to play this way i don't wow. have to wow. um and that's when i started making music that it was true to me but i think i was doing it in response to pain and associating yeah, pain with is, what i was dealing with this is like therapy as well yeah, yeah it was it was a form of healing it was a form of therapy yeah exactly um wow, wow. yeah this yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just listening like i'm, I'm really enjoying <laughs> this and and I, I just feel like hear, hearing you just share share these these moments um just helps p- to paint such a good picture um a holistic picture of, of like how you even saying like how music has sort of like just weaved in and out of your life in different ways at mm-hmm. different moments and i think mm-hmm. um what you just most recently said in regards to sort of like how you almost associated jazz with your pain yeah um i think that that's also very very um key to to mention because yeah. i think with school or these music schools sometimes a lot of a lot of people who have a, a genuine passion for something yeah may sometimes you know that joy can sometimes be removed by those like it becoming so segmented and and so um actually unnatural yeah they're trying to to feed it to us and feed us ourselves in an unnatural way and it's just (laughs) like no this isn't it this isn't it and um yeah. So just to even hear you share that, and, and, and you know, being able to find, you know, or re re um, rekindle that that genuine love for music and mm-hmm. for jazz specifically, and, mm-hmm. and sort of you're finding your literal voice. <laughs> you know, it just sounds like literally yeah. finding your actual voice. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's. I think a, a lot of people need to hear that because it's it's a, a part of the mm-hmm. the healing process, and, and I feel like yeah, music mu- people we're just beginning to realize how. Uh, healing and the, the healing benefits of music similar to like the, the healing benefits of cannabis it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know we're just beginning mm-hmm. to touch the surface of you know the, mm-hmm. w- you know the, the many purposes of what music can be for us but yeah continue yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, that's so true and like um, it's it's tough mm. it's it's really tough because part of the tradition that I'm learning that I'm realizing now that I wish I had known at the time yeah is that part of this part of the tradition of like um feeling stressed to practice and like feeling embarrassed and all of that Mm. um sometimes can be healing in and of itself but it's about who's administering that right right, like when i was 
in middle in high school um, I was a part of this program called the Ravinia Jazz Scholars, which was like an extracurricular after school program. And they would bring kids from different schools mm. and you got to perform with people like the, the late, great Willie Pickens um, and Ferez Witted and all these amazing mm. professionals that were also educators. And they would basically come and like give you private lessons. We would rehearse all of these songs that were like not the typical Jamie Abersall standard that you do in class. It would be like, no, we're going to play the records that we know and love mm. that are part of us um and it was just as tough as it was in college yes yeah, just as disciplined just as disciplined right yeah. and they were on your ass yeah <laughs> but it was it was it was my people on my ass it's like it was rooted in love mm -hmm. it's like we're gonna discipline you but it's because we we, we this is rooted in love yeah and yeah. it's because this is our this is our tradition and this is our culture and that we came up and we want to preserve it and have our kids do it mm. and I think that made the difference yeah. for me. Um, then I was going through just as much being uh, young and black and a and a woman in the South Side of Chicago. Shit was hell. Shit was yeah. rough living in, like it. Shit was terrible. But yeah. at the same time, um, I felt safe in that space. Mm. Um, mm. And going to college, I was no longer safe mm. in that space. Um, it was too many outsiders, too many people who didn't look like us, too many of us perpetuating that too mm -hmm. not even re not, not even realizing not, it. yeah acknowledging what they were doing yeah mm -hmm. yeah um and then also i think um i just felt inadequate mm. that's something that we don't realize happens to our children when we're in the hands of of teachers that aren't black teachers is that the sense of of pride and adequacy starts to fault and mm. i think that started to happen to me um when i got to college mm. i was like who can i tr like who can i trust Mm. I don't feel adequate. Um, what were we talking about? I, I, we're, <laughs> we're talking about what we're talking okay, about. I good. feel like I feel like everything <laughs> is making sense. Yeah. And it's like yeah, yeah. And I, I even mm. feel like now, like even to where you're at now, in terms of the music that you are creating, and even sort of, you know, the experiences that you're creating with the music live, I feel like mm. um, everything that you're saying now makes so much sense. You know, and I and mm. it's and it's like even the most recent show. Um, that I was able to experience, you know, with you and Eli was there as well. Yeah. Um, even in, you know, you know, just performing and not even using your voice, I could feel that you you sort of are communicating through that through that music and wow. sort of communicating, um, you know, that that healing, yeah. you know, and 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 I think that's the beauty of it—the fact that it can be personally healing, but then like I get the 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 benefit, the added benefit of being able to heal as well through listening, and you know, and I. You know, even after that show, I, I just, you know, I think I just acknowledge it's like, I really appreciate that, you know, and I appreciate the energy that Thank you're sharing, you. you know, and it's, um, you know, it's a real thing, um, you know, and, you. and it gets, you know, there's so many other things we can talk about. And I feel like, yeah. you know, we'll have to do a, a second episode <laughs> to really get into like more. But like, I, I feel like what, you know, we're just beginning to touch on here is like really powerful, powerful stuff, you know. Um, I, I would agree. Yeah. So, so in terms of like, you know, even now, like yeah. what you're creating and, and sort of that, that journey from sort of finding your voice and sort of like getting on audacity and <laughs> like recording yourself. I, it, but just like we were talking about earlier, sometimes it's not to be released the, the minute you create it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to live with these things that you're creating and almost sort of like mm -hmm. cultivate your inner garden before you like share it with the rest of the world, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah. was that process of sort of taking your time and not feeling like you have to sort of like, you know, put music out to be in, in the know, you know, sort of important for you? Um yes eventually it was mm. 
at first it was not at first i was like i'm trying to get music yeah, out i'm like, trying to get out here <laughs> i'm trying to and and it wasn't necessarily me like trying to get out here i yeah. think there was totally this like intrinsic fear of failure i had oh yeah that, that's very universal <laughs> yeah there was this fear of failure i had that stopped me even from like you know you know my band director will be like oh uh, such and such is hitting at the the, the jazz standard this weekend mm-hmm. come through and i just wouldn't do it right, right. it's like break. it's like fe- not even yeah. fear of failure maybe even just like fear of success a fear of yes. like this might actually work yes. and it's like it's a weird feeling but mm. I, I know exactly what you're talking about it's mm. like am i ready for this yet yeah. you know it's like you don't you almost want to hu- you feel like you're being humble but you're actually like stunting yourself you're stunning yourself yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and you think you think it's humility because you're insecure and mm. really it's like no you're just <laughs> you're kind of a narcissist right right in, <laughs> yeah. in your own roundabout way yeah yeah in i mean i'm just saying that because i understand yeah. that feeling yeah it's yeah like sort of saying like is this for me or you know but really it's like when you stop questioning yourself and just flow just flow and that's why i mean yes. i've been saying this more and more often now i feel like everything is sort of jazz you know i think mm. filmmakers can they're, they're playing jazz when you know they're in their zone um, and creating you know and i feel like you know when you're in that creative zone and it's almost like you're you're creating you're improvising but it's it's all in alignment yeah. you know that's when that's when it's like it's jazz to me mm. you know it's like when you're creating and you're flowing and you're not overthinking it yeah. it's just like but it sounds just right mm. you know it's like you, you didn't overplan this but it it couldn't have sounded any better you yeah. know it's yeah. like that's that's sort of what i feel like we, we should sort of take in terms of mindset is like sort of you know everything we do sort of being in that same flow is when you're creating a song and or you're playing live mm. and you have that feeling of like you're in your pocket um and everyone else is resonating with it you know you can live that way too you know so so yeah one can only hope we right, can live that way right i, right, I, I right. totally agree i, I definitely mm. think that there's a, a common ancestor if you will between all the things we do and that's mm. that's sort of like um getting to a point where you've built up enough skills Mm. Um, and knowledge Those in your internal base to free yourself um, and let uh, what you know guide you, if you will. Yeah. But also understanding that you know nothing and that can also guide you. Um, yeah, we're touching on some like yeah. life principles. We're getting like, this yeah. is real. I, yeah, we this is like episode number <laughs> number number two. Yeah, number we're two. definitely gonna get into all this. Um, <laughs> but I, I I totally agree with you. I wow. think wow. I, I think just as 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 great musicians and great artists sort of have to get to a point where you don't want to think about what you've learned think about the scales or anything mm. you know, you're just playing from the heart or from the spirit mm. um i totally agree that that can translate to any sort of field yes um, yes mm. yeah definitely so so I, we're gonna have to end soon i don't even want to end but <laughs> we're gonna have to and i, I think um you know we'll, we'll, we have so much more to talk about yes but um yeah if people wanted to find your music or find where you'll be performing next how can they do that Great question. Um, my music is online. I'm actually I have some older stuff that's floating around, like on Bandcamp or SoundCloud or Title or all those streaming stuff. Um, my name's just Kia K E I Y A A. I have a couple singles out that I've just kind of dropped randomly. Um, I also have an old project out uh, called Work, which is like the first project they ever released. Mm. Um, I'm working on an album that's called Every Nigga is a Polymath. Mm. Um, uh, play I on it. it. I love it already. <laughs> Thank you. Oh um, my gosh. Yes. That'll be out soon. Um, it's it's totally, uh, uh, it explores all the things we talked about. It's mm. it's very angry and, 
explores a lot of the ideas about radicalism and separatism but it also i don't know I, i've just been kind of thinking about this idea of how every black person has a multi-dimensional consciousness that you can access is just about unlocking it mm. so mm. every nigga's polymath and yeah in the meantime you can keep up with me on social um you can follow me on instagram mm. k-e-i-y-a-a twitter facebook that's all my name nice nice I, mm-hmm. I just feel like i'm very honored to to be able to be a part of this conversation um, likewise yeah thank you for yeah. having me here yeah. shared so much powerful like jewels like I, I really i'm just really appreciative for what you've shared likewise yeah. I, I appreciate you for for holding space definitely this is really important so definitely absolutely yeah so this is the open canvas i'm taj alexander here with my friend kia <laughs> and wow <laughs> thank you to find out more about The Open Canvas, hit up our website, theopencanvas.com. Also stay tuned to our Instagram, at The Open Canvas. And for any questions or inquiries, hit up my email, taj, T-A-J, dot, opencanvas at gmail.com. This has been The Open Canvas, produced by Taj Alexander. Mm-hmm.